Sometimes we have to take that moment to really ask your body what it needs because I think when we're up in our heads so much, we completely disconnect with what our body needs. Like, are we really thirsty? Are we really tired? Are we feeling lonely? Are we feeling overwhelmed? And when we know what we are feeling, we can then figure out what we need to do in this moment. We've got to keep reconnecting to our bodies and reconnecting to our hearts and knowing what's going on. Everyone needs to find their toolkit. Whatever it is, drawing, rock climbing, running, painting, it's an outlet that gets you away from your head, reconnects you to your body, lets you escape. I think those things are really important. I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women, author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and host of The Wallet. Today, I speak to Madeleine Shaw, a leading voice in the wellness industry, best-selling author, nutritional therapist, and mother. Madeleine is passionate about helping her followers to get their glow back through eating well, moving more, and making time for what makes them happy. But since our health is made up of more than just what we eat, Madeleine also believes that finances should be included in our overall wellness. Money is often an afterthought in our lives. Yet, with the right mindset, we can all build healthier money habits for a more balanced and fulfilling life. Today on The Wallet, Madeleine discusses the wellness toolkit she uses to reconnect to her body, relax and feel happy, and why having an outlet can be key to feeling good. We look at the healthy money habits that Madeleine has adopted, which include reaching her financial goals by avoiding impulse purchases and opting for a slower, more sustainable outlook on life and consumption. With social media being such an integral part of our lives, it's harder than ever to stop comparing ourselves or our businesses to others online. So Madeleine offers helpful tips to help us look after our well-being online. I'd also like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. PensionBee has helped over 400,000 customers be pension confident. It enables savers to take control of their finances by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. With PensionBee, you can manage your pension like you manage your bank accounts. You check your real-time balance, see your projected retirement income, and set up contributions and withdrawals all from the palm of your hands. Plus, you'll get human support from your very own UK-based account manager, was PensionBee calls them, Beekeeper. You can sign up to PensionBee today with the names of your old pension providers in just five minutes. And if you're self-employed, you can start your new pension from scratch. As always with investments, your capital is at risk. Please note that the information made available on this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you have any questions, you should seek advice from an independent financial advisor. Hi, Mati. Hello. Very excited to see you. When did we speak last? I think it was last year on your podcast, February 2020. I was still pregnant. I think you came home and we recorded this podcast about money and I thought... We need to have now Maddie on the show because we're financial wellness, but also everything else, you know, health and how can you feel better, especially at this moment after a year being in lockdown and stuff. So we're going to talk about a lot of things today. But first of all, can I ask you to uh, introduce yourself, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Madeline Shaw. I'm a nutritional health coach and chef. 
I've written three cookbooks and I write online a lot about healthy recipes and health tips on how to get the glow. That's kind of my catchphrase. <laughs> We all need this glow, especially at the moment. Can you tell me at, at which point did you decide to, you know, embark on this journey and focus on, uh, on health? So it all kind of happened when I was 18. I grew up in London, but left and moved to Australia, to Sydney, and went to university there. And while I was living there, I had terrible digestive problems and got diagnosed with IBS. And this was like a period of time where it was very like low-fat diets, low-fat, you know, everything. And that was kind of what was considered healthy. And I think all that kind of food was really totally messing up my stomach and system. So I completely changed the way I eat. I started eating more whole foods, like more of a balanced plate. I started getting into yoga and meditation and ended up eating in this cafe so much they gave me a job. And yeah, I worked there and kind of pondered what I would do in life. At school, I did one of those tests and it told me that I should be an um, investment banker because <laughs> I was very good at math. And so I, I was like, I'll be an investment banker. And then it didn't quite connect with me. And then I tried fashion and events and dog walking and restaurants. And honestly, I've interned and worked in, in many, many different areas. And the minute I started cooking and learning about food and nutrition and health, I was like, this is it. I had no idea. I mean, this is like, we're talking almost a decade ago. This is, you know, I, I didn't know how I would make it into a career, but I I carried on working in the cafe for a few years and then I ended up setting up my blog almost nine years ago and then I guess this kind of snowball effect of social media and yeah the world and I kind of just hustled like I, I did supper clubs and cooked for people and I was like how can I make money out of this this area but I, there was no clear path right there wasn't anyone doing what I was doing at the time but I had to kind of yeah, figure out a way of kind of, you know, making money with my passion. And I was really lucky. I had two parents who still love their jobs, even though they're both kind of in going into retirement now. But I think that really inspired me to go after a job that I loved and to be able to kind of marry work and passion together. You must have been one of the first bloggers, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, talking about, you know, health and, and wellness. I know, still going. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. <laughs> But you're right about the, the part of, you know, hustle and, and stuff like that. I think it, it has quite a negative connotation today. And, you know, we tell people you should have like a more balanced, uh, you know, life. But it's true when you have your business, you know, you need to make money from it. So was it one of your objectives initially or, or maybe after a few years to be able to leave from your business and at any time did you think oh no you know it, it doesn't work or it's not enough and I should go back to to work or you were like so passionate that you were like you know I'm just gonna make this work <laughs> do you know what I think I had so much self-belief and so much naivety that it pushed me through in my head I was like why would no one not want to interview me about healthy living like, I'd be like why does Grazia not want me to be in their magazine why do people not want to like put me on a tv show honestly I was just so uh, wrapped up in how yeah. how this kind of world had changed my life I just wanted to get it out there so I think 
and and probably without that I wouldn't have had the balls to kind of keep going but I think I was so wrapped up in the excitement and in the drive that I, I from the beginning I was like this is this is how I'm gonna make my money I mean I lived at home with my mom and you know, I didn't have to pay rent. So that did help. But from the get go, I was like, this is going to be my career. And like, there is there was no doubt in my mind. I've really actually probably never had a doubt. I've always just had this faith. And even though I get paid very sporadically, I've never had a, a fixed income that comes in monthly, which can be quite stressful. And I probably feel a bit more stressed recently about it, because I've now just bought a bigger house we've got a big mortgage (laughs) and you have a family (laughs) yeah exactly have a family so but I've yeah I've always had this faith and yeah almost in a way it's helped me work harder because you can't just kind of rest on the fact that that paycheck's going to come every month you've really got to go out there and get get it so I think it's been maybe a blessing in some ways what I love about the current conversations about wellness is we, we talk more and more about the, the role money plays in, in our life because money, if, if we don't manage it properly, can, you know, can create a lot of stress and, and anxiety. And then you can look for other issues. You think, oh, because I'm not eating well or it's because I'm not exercising or I'm working too hard. But sometimes it can also be like money issues. Can I ask you, you know, what is money for you, first of all, and then we'll talk maybe about your community and if you've identified money as something that that comes up and if you believe that's an important part of of well-being. But maybe, yeah, what what is money for you? That's my my first question. I think money is freedom for me. So freedom is a big pillar for my work, for my life. It's kind of a core value of mine. And I think for me, money gives me freedom to live in the way that I want to live. And yes, I think it's a key part of wellness. I really want to talk more about it on social media because it's something that I think about and I'm conscious of. And I think I've always been conscious of throughout my career. And I think that you're right. It can be a big cause of stress. It can, it, it can be, but it can also not be if you just take the time to get on top of it. And I think that God, yeah, there are those days where you're like, oh, I know I need to look through my bank statement and I need to make sure I cancel all those subscriptions. And it can feel really overwhelming. But actually, when you do it, you feel really free. And you're like, I know how much I've got in my account. I know what my kind of budgets are per week. I'd love to know your your, your habit. You know, if over time you started to be like healthy habits. I mean, you mentioned your, your parents earlier. I think you told me last time we spoke that you were talking about money with them or that they taught you maybe the importance of managing your finances? Yeah, my mum, so she owns her own business and she's been like integral, I think, for firstly my relationship with money because I think that's kind of almost, that. there's the emotional and then there's the kind of more physical. So the yeah. emotional relationship with money of like, A, being open to talk about it because I think sometimes people can really like not speak about it and not talk about it. And actually it's such an important conversation, obviously, you are doing so much great work with that. But yeah, I think she's always had a really open conversation, which has helped me have a better connection, not to have shame or, um, you know, an unknownness about money to really take ownership over it. And then I think, yeah, she's always kind of been quite very good at saving. And my mum's always been very focused on spending money in a particular way. So kind of 
whether that was like education for her kids or good holidays or something. And I think that helped me also go, okay, so what do I value? Like, where do I want to put my money into? What are actually your, your financial goals and, and how do you work towards them? So I guess I had a kind of recent financial goal, which was to buy our house that we moved into a month or so ago. So we had a smaller place and we bought a bigger place. And the goal that I kind of set was, yeah, thinking about what area we wanted to live in, what the kind of price would be to get the house that we wanted. And then to figure out how much I would have to save roughly every three months. And I do three months because my income isn't regular. Yeah. If you maybe were paid monthly, then you could do it monthly. I like the fact that uh, you, can, you do it like quarterly because as you say, like with irregular income, it's super hard. So I think that's a good way actually yeah, to start saving and have goals instead of putting pressure on yourself every month to, uh, <laughs> to match your, your goal. Exactly, because sometimes people pay you really late, so <laughs> you have to be flexible with that. But yeah, I, I had that and I, I have a little spreadsheet. I put that in and then I guess I have to kind of have a lot of talking to myself. You know, I really want to buy that dress or buy, you know, a coffee table for the house. And I have to go as much as you want it. Like you have to just know that like, you know, once you've hit that goal, then you can save up again. And I think it's that training of that conversation with myself has really helped me with saving of going like, okay, this is the number one goal. And yes, it's nice to have nice things along the way, but like, don't jeopardize the number one goal for the, the little things along the way. And I think that's helped me not dig into my saving pot because it's, you know, as you build up to buy a house, you you have quite a lot of cash in the account and you kind of think, oh, just a bit here, a bit there, you know, and then you've kind of spent a huge chunk of it. And, you know, God, when you move house, it's always more than you've ever anticipated for. So that's been a goal that, yay, has been achieved. And then kind of going forward, I guess it's, yeah, it's thinking about retirement. It's potentially thinking about schooling. Um, we are going to send our son to a primary school lo locally because we've got a really good primary but maybe in the future to send him to private school if that's something that we can afford it's it's something I would love but equally if it didn't happen that's okay as well yeah. um, but thinking about putting aside yeah money for that and kind of budgeting what it will cost in the future because I know that they the fees rise every year <laughs> It is a bit scary. I kind of think those are like probably my next goals going forward. And then I quite like to think every month, like, okay, how much would I put aside for holiday? How much would I put aside for super fun purchases? So clothes or interiors or, you know, just that kind of indulgent stuff. And then what I need for food and, and kind of everyday stuff. So I like to kind of have little accounts for each of them. So I have multiple accounts, holiday, like fashion, like, <laughs> and that works for me. I know that might be like, you know, they're not actually got cards. They're just little savings accounts under the account. I tend to, yeah, sort of put money into one account and then divvy it into all the different ones and then kind of transfer. It's so easy to transfer, right? So you can do it in a click of a button. So That's how I kind of sort it out. And I, and that really works for me. And then I know what 
my budget is. And if I want to save up for something special, I'll just wait. It takes patience. It does. I'm becoming so much more aware of sustainability. And in a way, it's really good because it's training that impulse muscle that I think so many of us have a problem with. I saw you did something about emotional spending recently. And I think it's such a big problem. Like, I think the addiction to online shopping and buying things all the time, like I feel that pull as well. But I think we almost need to train that muscle on the other side of like resisting and saving. And it can feel a bit tedious at times, but it does feel good in the end. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it's quite hard to break the cycle because we're so used to getting everything we want you know, straight away and, you know, online or in the shops and and we spend money and we don't even realize we're spending money because it's almost like digital money. You know, you have your cards on your phone. Uh, I mean, I guess before it was maybe easier to have a wallet full of cash or like with one note and you would go buy something, save, you know, maybe five pounds a week or whatever, put it in a jar, like something very physical. And I, I think we're missing that. So emotional spending is is real and it's how, yeah, how do you break the, the cycle? But I love your point about sustainability and it's also something I'm really trying to focus on. But as you say, sometimes it's it's quite hard and you really need to take a step back and think about, yeah, long term, my finances, the choices I make as a as a consumer. What f- financial habits have you changed in, in, in this regard? So do you try to buy less clothes or to try to buy from other brands and maybe, I mean, you're a cook. So in terms of maybe of ingredients and the way you cook, do you look for like different things? So how do you, I mean, what's your approach to, uh, to sustainability? So I think the biggest thing that I've done uh, and I changed, it was maybe a year, maybe two years ago, was my pension to be a more sustainable, I'm not sure what the exact technical term is. but um, Ethical investing, maybe ESG, yeah. Exactly, an ethical pension. And when you start reading into that, it is mind-boggling. I talked about it on my social media a while ago, but I do want to bring it up again because you think that you're you know, eating plant-based and doing all these things, but if your pension's investing in kind of these huge like gas and oil companies, it's really not that helpful. So I really urge anyone who has a pension to look for more ethical ways of investing their money. So that was something that I did. And then, yeah, I guess it's it's shopping habits, trying to shop local, buy things that aren't in too much plastic, go to those like zero waste stores. There's one quite near that delivers and you can get those like bulk bags that come with like oats and nuts and seeds and they do like washing up liquid and, you know, all these sorts of things where you can kind of reduce your plastic and then switching brands. Like I found this really cool, it's a friend of mine who's made it, but I love it anyway, They're called Home Things and they're tablets for cleaning products you put in and you fill it up with water and it's got your cleaning spray because I don't know about you, but maybe I might go through a cleaning spray every month like a multi-surface one every two months I'm not quite sure exactly but that's like you know say eight to twelve kind of bottles of plastic that you're reducing because you're just using this tablet and water that you get from the sink yeah and I think there's so many interesting companies and brands out there that are doing some incredible things and yeah I'm just always interested to change my habits be conscious of like how many bins I'm putting out yeah supporting brands like really try and sign lots of petitions so you know anything that's 
you know, helping the world make a better place, sign it, you know, push for it. I try and sign a petition every day, which is quite a lot. Wow. (laughs) You know, it really makes a difference. Like people need like your names on it. And like, if you can't, we can't physically go and protest all the time. (laughs) It's like a mini protest in moments, a mini moment protest. (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about these like ethical choices, sometimes, I mean, over the short term, I think it tends to cost more money. So, you know, instead of going and shopping into, you know, your local, like a supermarket or maybe Tesco, Sainsbury's, maybe if you go to the market, that's potentially going to be a bit more expensive. If you buy some products that are, you know, bioethical, it can also be more expensive. I really believe it's worth it and that in the future you'll some, somehow get your money back or, you know, <laughs> in, in some form. So you get some something back. But do you think it's important to invest in this type of things? And, and also, if, if we talk maybe a bit broader, how important it is to invest in, in ourselves and new like consumer habits and stuff like that? Yeah, it can, it can be, but it's not always like, I've definitely got really great kind of fruit and veg shops that are like, you know, loose fruit and veg everywhere. And they're less than supermarkets. Like it, I guess it depends where you go, but yeah, I do. I think if we want the planet to be in a, a good state for our children, I think we do have to make these shifts and like that might be meaning that you can't, you know, buy all the things that you want to do all the time. But I do think like probably one of our biggest problems and why the world's in the state it's in is because we've just had this very individualist kind of mentality and we just want want, want more, more, more. And we don't think about the consequences of it. So we've got to really kind of retrain that. And for example, with, I don't know, say like, a cleaning cloth so switching your plastic cloth for a reusable one it might cost more but you can wash it and wash it and wash it and then yeah. use it and use it and use it instead of the kind of plasticky cloths that I don't know last few months and then they break down and then they never break down so yeah. you know not always but often it can be a long-term investment but you know it's not easy and I know that people are busy and they want convenient and they want quick that's a really hard like thing to change because sometimes to be more sustainable it has to be slower and it has to take a bit more time I really love um farm drop it's a yeah. online grocery delivery and I guess to me it marries both of them it means you can shop online it gets delivered one-stop shop but you can click a button that says plastic free most fruit and veg comes you know, without any plastic on it, you know, they've got lots of sustainable brands on there. So I really like it as a kind of, you know, busy mum who can't always go to the shops, you know, every day or have everything, you know, I don't have a car. So that really works for me. And I do think there are kind of places out there making it easier. I saw this really cool company, I've forgotten the name where they kind of deliver to your streets like nuts and seeds and grains and things you know there's there's so much cool stuff out there that's going on that is is trying to make it easier because I think that's super important to kind of make sustainability a bit easier for everyone to do I saw a little um, like van in uh, going around like 
Kentish Town, Camden, and they sell like all these seeds and you can refill all these things. My kids love it. They're like, wow, <laughs> what is this? Like, we've never seen that. So it feels like super old school, but in the end, it's, uh, I think it's amazing to see this. I wanted to get a few tips from you about getting the glow back <laughs> because that's what you do. You're here to, you know, give us some energy and that's what we need at the moment. So We've been home for a long time. Now we're slowly in the UK, slowly going out, seeing some friends, like family, maybe traveling at some point. How do we make sure we don't burn out and we're ready to, you know, socialize again on top of like everything else we've, uh, we've been doing? So I think the core pillar is like sleep. I think when you sleep well, you make better choices with eating, you're more likely to exercise, you're kinder to yourself. So as much as possible, really prioritize your sleep. And that might be like leaving the pub a little bit earlier or, you know, not watching another episode on Netflix. And I think that we do need to like take it seriously rather than expect it. And look, there are people that like hit the pillow and like sleep so easily. But I know there are a lot of people that struggle with sleep. So really winding down before you go to bed, dim lights, no technology, get an alarm clock, leave your phone downstairs, because we all know those nights where you read an email that's a bit like, you know, frantic or negative, and you just then can't sleep. So you, you, there's nothing you can do that evening, deal with it in the morning, you'll have a much kind of better approach to it. So don't read emails before bed, read a physical book, wind down, you know, with low lights, get your clothes out for the next day, you know, make your life a bit easier in that way. Prioritizing good sleep is really important. And then making sure that you're really kind of having balanced meals throughout the day. So starting breakfast with some protein. So maybe instead of having just toast or a croissant, having your toast with some poached eggs and spinach and tomato or having porridge with nuts and seeds and fruit. And that's just going to kind of balance your blood sugar levels out because when often maybe we just have like a pastry for breakfast, it gives us that high, but then we dip at 11 and then we need something else. And, and the kind of cycle goes on and on. So I'm not saying there's anything I love across them, by the way, but want to kind of keep that, that blood sugar level balance on an average day it's really good to kind of have a balanced meal. And again, with your lunch and dinners, to look at your plate, make half the plate vegetables, a quarter quality protein, that might be your tofu or your fish, and then a quarter being your carbohydrates. So that might be like your sweet potato or your rice or your lentils, and then some healthy fats, whether that's like avocado, olive oil, nuts and seeds. But kind of, I know it's definitely not about being perfect, but to aim for say two meals to be of that kind of balanced plate I think is a really good place to be because it's all about crowding and not cutting out so instead of thinking to yourself I can't eat chocolate or I can't eat pizza think okay I've got to get five portions of fruit and veg in how am I going to do it okay I'm going to try and do it here 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 I've got to have like a palm size full of protein in my meal so how am I going to do it and I think when you're thinking in that positive way like what can I put in? You're so much more likely less to focus on what you're not having and you'll feel full, you'll feel satisfied. And I think that means that potentially you'll eat a more balanced and you'll, and you'll feel full between your meals instead of kind of snacking away between them. I think what's, what's difficult sometimes is 
if you're like stressed and, and we, you know, if you're working from home, you're stressed, you're very busy, you tend to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, skip my lunch or you just realize, oh, you know, I haven't been eating. So this is, yeah, super important to have your meals. But how do you deal now with more the anxiety? So I guess sleep will help, but you have other tips on, yeah, making sure you're a bit calmer and, you know, you look at the big pictures and you're not, you know, in this wheel and, and, and just like focus on work, 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 work. Because I think that's been an issue for a lot of people working. I mean, we are free, like freelancers, business owners. So we used to work at home. We sort of our own like routines. But for most people being, you know, stuck at home and sometimes on your own or like with the family around, it's very different and it changes like all your habits and stuff. So how would you find some sort of balance or like at least like lower your level of anxiety? That's a really good question. I think you've got to prioritize. So you were talking a bit before about skipping meals. I think people are often like stress eaters or, str or when they're stressed, they forget to eat. Often you're kind of in two camps, but I think it's going to yourself, okay, what time am I going to eat lunch today? One o'clock. And you give yourself a lunch break. I think, you know, especially when you're working from home, it's so easy not to have that break, but like go out for a walk, even if it's just like two minutes, walk around the block, then come down and make some lunch. I think we have to have breaks from work. You know, productivity is so much better when you've taken a breath and taken a thing. And I think we have to take that seriously. I think it's so easy to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. And like, I'm in the zone and I've got to keep going and I've got to keep pushing. And But actually, I think that's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to like, anxiety, overwhelm, stress, all these things is just like pushing ourselves too far. So I think reclaim your lunch break, even if it's half an hour, that's fine, but reclaim it. And then I think it's really good to, you know, have your toolkit. So I'll tell you my toolkit and you can find out yours. But for me, nature is definitely one of mine. So like if I go for a walk in nature and that can, I mean, I'm talking London nature. So the park it's just it's better good. than nothing <laughs> exactly you know I feel better when I meditate and I do a, a type of mantra meditation I know I feel better when I have really strict boundaries with work and switch off and have like a full-on like this is the end of the day I feel better when I do things that are really fun I don't know see friends and just laugh I feel better and When I have time alone as well, I feel better. And everyone's different, but I have to make sure that like I'm doing those things, whether daily or weekly. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, meditation is something I love and works for me, but I know it doesn't work for everyone. But, you know, even if it's just like closing your eyes for one minute and breathing and, and feeling into your body and reconnecting, that's incredibly beneficial. And I think... Sometimes we have to take that moment to really ask your body what it needs. Because I think when we're up in our head so much, we completely disconnect with what our body needs. Like, are we really thirsty? Are we really tired? Are we feeling lonely? Are we feeling overwhelmed? And when we know what we are feeling, we can then figure out what we need to do. Do we need to give ourselves a glass of water? Do we need to call some a partner or a friend or whatever to help us in this moment? But I think we've got to keep reconnecting to our bodies and reconnecting to our hearts and knowing what's going on and I think everyone needs to find their toolkit whatever it is drawing rock climbing running painting whatever whatever it is an outlet 
that gets you away from your head, reconnects you to your body, lets you escape. I think those things are really important and yeah, really essential for your well-being. And I think that they don't have to be this like elaborate morning routine that takes hours, you know, and is quite hard to fit in. And I think I definitely went through a period of time where I was like, I have to do it, it this way. 6am. Um, yeah. Exactly. I have to, you know, have it in these things, but actually no, like there are little things that we can do. It's almost like the little moments every day are more important than like the big one hour thing that we do. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's really knowing like what feels good? What what can I do that feels good? And how can I fit that in every day? Yeah. Trying to fit in all like these small moments is, is hard because, you know, when you're working, 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 you're like, I know I need to take this break. But actually, I realize for me, if I don't do it or if I, you know, skip my meditation or skip my walk around the block or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, then... I feel bad <laughs> and I don't manage to keep my energy up. So I feel I'm losing productivity in the short term because I lost an hour going for a walk, but actually long term, it's much more productive to, to take this moment. So I agree with you. There's one thing I wanted to talk about is comparison with others. You spend a lot of time on social media. I, I also spend quite a lot of time on social media. You see people building businesses. You see women doing that, doing this thing. You see influencers. How do you stop comparing yourself to others? Because usually that makes us feel pretty bad money-wise or health-wise, wellness, like on, you know, all these different topics. I think it's a really good question. I think it's something that every person struggles with because like you said, whether you're, you know, super wealthy, you can compare beauty, whether you're super beautiful, you can compare house, you know, there's whatever, whatever. There's always something. <laughs> I think it's probably come through wisdom. So you know, I've been online for you know, almost a decade. So I have seen it a lot. I sometimes get in those head spaces where I'm like, you know, and then I, I try and think, okay, but what are probably people's perceptions of me? Um, and what are they thinking? And I, I really try and instead of when I see someone's achieved something or done something, instead of going, oh, why not me? I go, that's amazing for them. And really try and, and celebrate that success or that moment for them and feel happy because you know that when your moment comes around, you want people to be on your side and, and feel that for you. And I think you've got to remember, and we hear this all the time, but it, like it is really a highlight, it's real, and everyone's life is bumpy. And like just because you buy a house or you get a great job or you get married, it really doesn't mean that suddenly life, like, you know, Hollywood movies, it's like, and they got married and it's like, no, let's see seven years time when they've like got two kids and like, they're like shouting each other and, you know, they're trying to get to work and, you know, it's, it, it's not real. And I think Instagram can be really dangerous. So I really have to have quite strict boundaries. I don't post on the weekend. I don't really share anything about my personal life. And that for me really helps because it means when my partner comes home, my son comes home, I'm really switched off. And look, yeah. hats off to people that share their lives. That's that's really great. But I know for me, A, I don't want to share that. And B, I would never switch off because I'd be always thinking when we were having dinner, we should take a photo or we when we're out for on holiday, we should take a photo. And, you know, I have to have that real switch off that, you know, I just really work a normal day. 
I start work at nine and I finish work a bit earlier than probably people, but about three, four o'clock. And that's it. And, you know, occasionally there might be the weekend or an evening here and there, but it tends to not be. And that really helps me make sure that I'm not always online. And I have two phones. So I have one with Instagram on without, and my actual phone doesn't have Instagram on. And that really helps. And that sounds like a real luxury. The reason why I do is I went on a 30th and I dropped my phone in the field. Then I had to buy a new phone and then someone found the old phone. And then I, and it was still like, it was in the field for like a week, but it still works. (laughs) That's why I have two phones. Do you feel you have... um... A big responsibility you know you have a large following on you know on instagram on, on youtube people listen to you you know they follow you how do you deal with that like maybe being like a public person and, and what you should say what you shouldn't say yeah i don't i don't ever feel anything stressful or i never get kind of worried about it to be honest i guess i talk about food and wellness you know in a kind of quite easy to follow format that's not extreme and it's not potentially polarizing controversial or, yeah yeah or controversial so I never I to be honest I never really worry I guess I you know when kind of the world you know with the environment and politics has changed so much and I think people expect a lot more from me you know you can't just post about food you've got to also be interested in this and this and I think at first I was like I don't want that like I just want to do my thing and, and not have that expectation but actually it's really helped me grow and think, actually, no, you can't have your head in the sand. You can't just, you know, carry on talking about quinoa. You've also got to talk about, you know, lots of different conversations and topics. Maybe it's not 100% of the time. It might be 5% of the time and you can stick the rest to what you do. But yeah, I think probably the last few years have helped me grow and going, actually, yeah, like how else can I use my platform to spotlight different causes or different things I'm interested in because I am not just interested in health you know lots of different things we're all complex creatures so yeah that kind of accountability and that understanding I've met with resistance but now have come to accept it and be happy with it (laughs) (laughs) so finally you've built a business that works for you you live you know from from your business how do you then grow and make sure you learn more things and you don't get maybe bored because you've been doing this for for a long time so to maybe like not reinvent yourself but yeah always like grow and 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 do things that you love do you know what's a really good question probably something I reckon with myself often like you know I definitely probably every year or so I'm like oh you know I've been doing this a long time and like how do I find that passion because you know even though now it is a business it's always come from passion and when the passion goes, it will show through. Right. So I think it's it's evolving with the way thing, the platform moves. So having like reels and, you know, different ways of sharing content, I think reignites my passion because it's kind of fun and there's a new way to kind of create content. Um, But then, yeah, thinking about different areas that I really enjoy and different kind of causes, whether that's like talking more about food waste or talking more about, um, I don't know, gardening or something like that, like new topics around the same area. Yeah. If I'm being really honest, I do think about like the future and I think, God, am I going to still really like this in five years time? Like, am I still going to want to do this? And 
I just don't know is the question. And yeah, I definitely haven't got enough saved to retire. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm quite a curious person. And even if I don't end up doing what I do now forever, I know that I'll go on to something else that I really enjoy because I think I've got that inbuilt belief that actually passion can spark a career and I've and I've kind of inbuilt that belief into my system. So I I feel like even though if this doesn't continue the way it is, that there'll be something else for me and, and I'm kind of excited for that chapter because yeah it's kind of fun to evolve and grow and change. I have three quick fire money questions for you. What is the best financial decision you've ever made? I think it was probably buying my flight back from Sydney to London. I know that sounds really weird and it was eight, nine years ago, but I definitely could have stayed there and lived there. But in a way it was the best financial decision because I came home and I started my business And I think I maybe couldn't have done it there. Obviously, it's very beautiful and I would have got better light. (laughs) Um, But I met my partner who had restaurants and I started doing supper clubs at his restaurants. That's how we met. And that was a big beginner of my business. And he was a big champion and helped me have a space to share my food. And then I also got to live at home with my mom and have that championing. So I think if I hadn't booked that ticket and come home and I really didn't want to come back to London by the way I could have definitely lived in Sydney for the rest of my life but that was probably the best financial decision I made even though probably you should say like your house or your this or something but probably that was like yeah the beginning and 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 maybe just investing money into my business and investing time in into it probably yeah and the worst financial decision oh my god there's been loads Probably hiring too many staff, probably four years ago. I thought that's what success looked like. I thought success meant having an office, having lots of staff. But then I kind of didn't have a job anymore because everyone just did everything for me and I just became a manager. And that is definitely not my set of skills and not anything that I enjoy doing. I mean, look, hats off to managers. They're fantastic people, but it's just not me. I'm very creative and... Uh, don't really enjoy HR. So that was really not a good, but do you know what? I, I'm really grateful for it as well because I learned so much and yeah. I learned a lot about the fact that, as I said to you at the beginning, one of my core values is freedom and it went against my freedom. It gave me no freedom. So it brought me back to like, okay, what's really important? What do I, what does success mean to me? How to define it? And I guess probably since then, I've been much better at making decisions because I've been like, does this align with freedom? Does this help me feel free? And yeah, it's helped me redefine what success means. And I think that's something that we don't often talk about. I think often we've all got a similar kind of thing that we think success is, but then we might get there and go, oh, no, that's it. Yeah, I don't even feel that great about it. So it was not a great financial decision, but I'm grateful for it. And yeah, there's been lots of, yeah, purchases and, and potentially our place before this place was was not a great financial purchase, but we bought we bought a time where prices didn't go the way we wanted them to go. Not not like my parents, where house prices seem to double in like years or something. Yeah. And what are the things you spend the most money on at the moment? 
as in a side of, of bills. <laughs> yes. After your fixed expenses. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, it's got to be food. Yeah, definitely food. I'm very happy to spend whatever on food. I guess one, because it's kind of a business expense for me. And two, I feel really happy that my money is going to something that brings joy for myself and for my family and for people who I cook for. So yeah, definitely food for sure. I don't think there'd be anything else on there really that compares. I don't really have any other major spending habits. And maybe maybe interiors recently with the new house. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to share or to recommend with anyone listening to this episode? Just how grateful I am to come on your podcast and I love <laughs> everything you do and I'm really interested in money and I hope to keep growing and learning and understanding and getting better at it and hopefully help other people do that too and I think it can feel a bit confusing at first but it can be so empowering as well and yeah if anyone wants to find out more about me they can go to my website madelineshaw.com and I've got some books called get the glow ready steady glow and a year of beautiful eating but yeah thank you very much for listening I hope you've got something <laughs> else of it <laughs> and your Instagram of course we'll share all the links but thank you so much for sharing you know a little bit of your story you know your your passions your definition of success, what is money for you? I mean, I love to have this conversation and it was yeah, such a pleasure to, to chat to you and so nice to see your, your smile and, and, and your energy. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon.